the brilliance we have within us is far beyond anything that any teacher book, course, coach, anybody can teach us. And so in my practice of coaching, I spend very little time speaking and a whole lot of time listening. This is your Badass Journey podcast. I am Karine Walsh, serial entrepreneur, growth strategist, executive leadership coach, and best-selling author. Each week, I will bring you a guest or a thought that will help you align what you love with what you do in order to build that badass life and business you dream of. Welcome, everybody, to your Badass Journey podcast. Today, I have Lindsay Alive on the show. She's the founder of Alive and Awake. She's also a well-known leadership and executive coach that goes into organizations and transforms their ability to perform based on leveraging all her modalities as a coach, a yoga instructor, a writer... She calls herself a unicorn trainer. <laughs> She's just one of those people you need to know if you're looking for ways to truly dial in who you are and let that light shine in all that you do. In our conversation today, we jump into several different methods of how her journey has led her to where she is today, but also has increased the impact she truly desires to have in the world. And of course, raising that vibration in any community that she's a part of. I hope you enjoy today's conversation as much as I did. And of course, we love hearing from you. So please go ahead and post a review after listening, share it with a friend, share it on social media, tag us in it because we love to continue to dialogue in our zone of genius to help other people align who they are with what they do. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome everybody to your Badass Journey podcast. Today I have Lindsay Alive on the show with me. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you, Karine. I'm so thrilled to be here. I mean, I love talking to you because I feel like we can dive into so many different modalities and journeys and and how we came to be. I would love for you though to share in your own words your badass journey to date with our listeners. And you can go as far back as you want. You can start with what's going on right now, whatever, however you want to share who you are and how you came to be who you are now uh, with our listeners. I'll share a little bit of my early journey and then fast forward to my current journey, I think, because it's sort of a then and now um, transition. And so I, I really started as a child and teenager in my early 20s, as I'm, I'm sure many people can relate to as perfectionistic overachiever. I was really anxiety ridden was the truth of what was driving everything. I think some of that was probably a little bit genetic and family history and a lot of it was environmental. And so I started from that place and how I manifested anxiety was to try to control everything. And by control, that looked like a lot of overachieving, being the top of everything, the captain of the A-team, like not just on the A-team, in everything I did. And ultimately what that led to was burnout. 
mental, physical, emotional, spiritual burnout at various points in my life in various ways. But that's the theme I can say. So those are some of the key points that some people may be able to relate to. And early, early, early in my journey of transformation, it looked like I graduated from an elite business school. I was just going through the motions. I had no concept of what my inner truth was, what I wanted. It literally did not even cross my mind to think about. If you would have said, what do you want? What are you passionate about? What are your desires? I, I would have stared at you like you were an alien. Like, what are you even talking about? It, just, it was not even on my radar. It was like, what should I do? What's the, the highest ranking thing I can achieve? What's the safest path? Because if you're in the best of the best, it's safe because you're, you're calling the shots. People want you. So for me, it was all about like barricading myself in this fortress of safety, of control and performance. And it was truly became a prison because I found myself sitting. I got it. I got it. I won the I won the game. I got the job. I got the this. I got the that. And I found myself in my early 20s sitting in a beige cubicle in a bank tower in downtown Toronto. It was a scalding hot July day, although I wouldn't have known because I was in an overly air-conditioned office tower, freezing my butt off with three sweaters on. Right. Looking out the window, I was there from like before pretty much it's pretty light in Canada, but pretty much from like dawn till dusk. 14 hours a day. And I I had it all on paper. I had the job. I was making lots of money and supposedly in this sexy job, which really just looked like analyzing millions of lines of data to save a bank money on pencils, which had zero meaning to me. And it was really actually a shocking wake up call because I found myself for the first time in my life, I felt numb. I felt anxious. I felt depleted and I, I felt empty. And I was looking around. I saw the people 10 years ahead of me. My path was so laid out. It looked like going to an elite MBA, probably Harvard INSEAD, probably getting a better job in that same stream from there. I literally could see my whole path for the next 20 years. And I saw the people 10 years ahead of me and I would listen to their conversations and they just seemed defeated and not vibrant. Their eyes were empty. And I had this real awakening at a young age thing of like, is this it? Like there's gotta be more out there. And then that left me with the question of, okay, but now what? And I think those are some of the key indicators on any journey is like when you're noticing, you're thinking like, is this it? Our logical minds, our egos want us to stay safe. So my logical mind was like, you're crazy. This is the job everybody wanted. It's safe. You have money. You have this. You have a safe path ahead of you. My soul, my inner knowing was like, get the hell out of here. And then my ego was like, but you don't have a plan. What are you going to tell people? They're going to think you're a flake. You look like a gypsy, like all this judgy, judgy, judgy. Yeah. My soul is like, just get out of here fast and get up to your dock at your cottage where you belong. (laughs) Nice, nice. Ultimately I did. And I've had from then a real path of, I call it ego versus soul. Although I don't like to demonize the ego. I think the ego is a very healthy, important part. It's discernment, it's awareness, it's how we operate in the world. And um, however, most often, and certainly in my case, the ego can be running the show and the mind. And and then it it gets squirrely and it gets toxic. So um, there is, I believe, a constant help. When I say versus, I don't mean it in a, com- a combative yeah. in a healthy polarity kind of a way. Yeah. And in my case, the ego was dominating like a thousandfold. And so my work has been because the soul cues, the intuitive cues, the higher knowing cues, they're subtle and they're whispers until they're screams, yeah. but they're not as, as sexy as big, you know, signing bonuses and Ritz Carlton trainings and all the things that can, the ego's like, oh yeah, that's juicy. And like, I sound so good at a cocktail party or like when I get 
you know, introduced at a function. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm really right. important now. The soul is like, it's something about water and it involves people. And you're like, what the hell does that even mean? <laughs> what are you talking about? And ego wants to like know everything right now. And the soul journey, which I believe is the highest journey and, and I can attest in my life and with the thousands of people I've worked with, the skills are trust, surrender, listening, humility. And I still work this every single day of my life. That is a former control freak perfectionist in recovery. That is truly my hardest work. The doing and the driving and the grinding and all that stuff is super easy for me. And I would guess it's super easy for a lot of your listeners because in a weird kind of a way, it's easy to grind because yeah. you feel like you're in control. You feel like you're in action. It, there's a, you know, the hits of dopamine. I'm getting stuff done. You get that kind of instantaneous feedback and so for me, and I, I invite your listeners also to contemplate in their lives, the resting, the listening, the waiting, the allowing, really tough work for me. That's, that for me is ninja. And I still, as I said to this day, I am such a good doer. I'm such a good creator. But it's like if you're doing and doing and doing, but you're on the entirely wrong path, yeah. you end up at the destination and you're Broken. like, oh shit, I'm defeated, I'm broken, and I don't yeah. even like this. It's so the true. thing I thought I wanted. And, and then you got to, you know, course correct. So that's how my journey started. And then from then, there's a whole theme of consistently leaping into the unknown with zero idea of how things were going to unfold. Mm. I will say that I think I'm in hindsight and as I reflect on where I'm at now in my life, I think I'm actually a master at listening to the, the hunches mm. more than I think the average person. I think that's one kind of skill that I can help people with. It's because it's, it's like, it's um, a subtlety. And yeah. I think if I look back, I've been good at, for a number of reasons, partly how I was raised. I had a freedom of having a family that were very service oriented, very community oriented, very successful um, in the community, but very focused on happiness and connection. So I, I was lucky that I didn't have that encoding of like, you must be VP by the time you're 32. My, my family was always just like, that's amazing, sweetie, but are you happy? Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. So I had that benefit and, mm-hmm. and the um, privilege of being born in this you know, era and in, in the, the country that I grew up in of, of having choices. So for all of those reasons, I think that one thing I'm, I'm good at and teaching people at is to follow the hunches. And I also think I have, I think risk tolerance is another theme in my journey, which I have, I believe, probably a higher than average tolerance for risk because I think the more you leap into, which is ironic saying coming from a recovering perfectionist control freak, I was the most risk averse person you will ever know when I was like 20, 21. Right. But what I've learned, and this is again, universally true, is that as we leap into the unknown, whether we succeed or fail, and this is very supported by research and Confidence Code is a great book that I recommend. It doesn't even matter if you succeed or fail. You, f- you know that you're going to figure it out. You'll grow your wings on the way down. Even if you fall flat on your face, you, f- you f- pick it up, you iterate, you move on. And so those are, again, some of the, the themes or the practices is I don't dwell in uh, why me or why is this happening to me for very long. Those are, other, again, some of the practices I, I've both learned and also share. It's like, okay, it is what it is. Now what? Get, get our listeners to where you are now in all these modalities because as you're sharing it and, and you learned it through the journey and you're I know this is a huge part of the work you do let's 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 do a little bit of that fast forward to help them understand why 
this consciousness and this modality of assisting others has now fueled your work. And when you went from overachiever, you know, to or not because you're still an achiever, it's more about the the perfectionist to the flow that you're yes. in today. Um, yes. Let's let's describe that to them and how you made that choice to where you are now. Yeah, I was listening to this great podcast from Brene Brown was speaking um, on Goop the other day, and she differentiated academically the construct of perfectionism. The antithesis to that is being driven to reach excellence. Mm -hmm. And that I thought was a really powerful, I really love academic research and I've studied a lot of leadership and positive psychology. And that differentiation for me felt, because you just mentioned, I'm still by all accounts, a massive achiever but it's not coming from a place of fear or control or anxiety. Now it comes from a place of passion, of alignment with a massive purpose, of a calling. Like I literally feel like I am being led in every moment of every day. I even used to, in my early days of my work, I used to do a lot of work around, and I still do, purpose, vision, and values are like the framework of what I do, which I borrowed from strategy, from you know the early, early work in building your company's vision from Harvard Business Review is an article I wrote really early in my academic life. And it just stuck with me. And every corporate gig I've ever done and every personal leadership gig I've ever done has involved some variation of an architectural understanding of what is my purpose? Why am I on the planet? What's my vision? What do I want to create in this lifetime, which leads to goals? And then the values, which is like, how do I want to get there? Having said that, as I've gotten more, I would say, mature in my journey or uh, marinated in the journey, I've, I've really been humbled enough times to understand this is, again, ego versus soul. And now I'm talking about tapping into highest states of consciousness, of intuitive listening, of tapping into collective consciousness and, and creative inspiration that's beyond even our conscious minds, that when we limit ourselves even to smart goal setting, which is a course, it's important if you're in a team setting and I, I don't discredit it, I still certainly use it. However, I would say it's a fraction of what I do now because um, I think the ultimate practice. And so in the listening, as I said, I was guided to go into this work around guiding others on their journeys, which took me right back into the corporate world, working with elite leaders for the last you know, 17 years and, and guiding them to be leading authentically from their highest potential, regardless of whether they're in investment banking or consulting or founders of tech startups or stay-at-home moms that are relaunching. I, I, it makes zero difference to me what the context is. I'm really interested in helping people to go from that kind of dead, going through the motions, I call it the walking dead, to getting that spark back in their eyes to yeah. alive and awake purpose-driven, passion-fueled. They're living their, their purpose. They understand why they're doing what they're doing, or they at least have hunches about why they're doing. And they're filling themselves up every day with their passion, with joy. with. And this is literally like, they call it Leela in, in the ancient wisdom traditions of, of yoga and Hinduism. It's like the ecstatic dance of life. And so it's a both-and model. And that's the work I've been called to in my professional life, which for me, I don't separate my personal from my professional. There's an absolute integration in my, I used to be very segregated. I used to have a very corporate, safe, intellectual, you know, the black suit and the hair pulled back and the little black notebook and I had it all down and I can still pull that out when I need to, don't get yeah. me wrong. Right. But, um, and then I had this, I called it like my dirty little yoga secret, which was like my, my personal practices. I have children. I travel. I'm definitely a gypsy soul. 
And so I used to keep those very separate and segregated. And then over the last, certainly the last three to four years, I've really integrated. And that's the work I offer to people now, specifically in my leadership work, because I think many people, we compartmentalize and we're like, it's safe to be this way in this environment, but I'm going to be my real self or, or these parts of my real self over here. And even there, I see they might even downplay some of their success in other realms. And so part of the work that I do is really focused on authentic leadership on purpose-driven leadership, on passion-fueled living. And so the invitation, which I try to model as best as I can in my life, is to every single day be waking up and asking ourselves, you know, what am I passionate about? What am I being asked to do? How may I be of service today? And that's where I'm at now in my life, which is using some of these ancient wisdom traditions like meditation, yoga, movement, nature, music, all of these kind of ancient primordial rituals that humans have known throughout all of human history, gathering around fires, around circles, tribe. But now it's really in service of, of getting still and listening to the guidance of our highest selves, of our intuitive knowing, however you want to articulate that higher power, if that's something that you uh, believe in, or all the gods, everybody, <laughs> the earth, the universe. I'm, I'm all about listening to everyone. Yeah. Like, all the guidance I can get. And, and really, ultimately, at this point, it's down to um, micro listening and leaping. Listen, leap, listen, mm-hmm. leap. And it looks as, as simple and as finite as send so-and-so a text, check in with so-and-so, uh, send an email to as grandiose as I had a book come into me for like 10 years, sentences and paragraphs and listening at that level, which I've you know since written. It's now I'm speaking with people about turning it into a a series. So, and that was not something I had any interest in doing. It was not on a goal worksheet. Literally, I was like, stop. I don't have time for this. Like, I don't have time to write a book. I've got children. I've got a thriving coaching business. I'm traveling. But that's the level of listening when we tap into the stillness, which is like what's being asked of us. Yeah. Not what do we think we're here to do? There's a whole other level of service, servant leadership, humility, and, and I believe that's really where, where our greatest impact, the ikigai, as the Japanese call it, or that true alignment with our highest calling is that level of connection to what's being asked of us in any moment of, of our lives and of human history. You know, it, it's beautiful because uh, I'm all about integration as well. Like I, I, I tend to use that word often because I found I have a very similar story in that I, I climbed that ladder and I went after all the the map that I had thought I was meant to achieve in order to show up in someone else's story about me. Yes. Right. And then and part of the badass journey that I, I even put myself on, why I even am now at this point sharing other journeys is that I had to connect with me first in order to say ask myself. It's like as simple as what do I want? What do you know and then listen. And 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 be wide eyes wide open to see what the possibilities were because we're always presented with many paths to go down. It's the integration and the alignment of who we are in in what we choose to do in the moment, and also give ourselves permission to pivot, give ourselves permission to say the note like that was the wrong path and go down the next one, like whatever that looks like. And I know for you to get to where you are today, there were many forks in the road of decision making at certain times and when you're in that now you're at your highest you're working on that ninja level of listening and responding and leaping which is beautiful i love that image um 
take us a little, a few steps back into like, when did you decide to move to Costa Rica and, and start your practice from there? And, and how was that assisted you in really building the foundation you needed to almost transform in a way that where you do have a solid footing, you know, that certainty and self is what I call that solid footing to then navigate as you had children, as you, you know, continue to build your practice. Can you share a little bit about yes, that part? This, that's such a good question. Uh, I'm, I'm smiling because it's like, when did you know? It's like the journey, it's like, we can only tell the story of our lives in hindsight. As soon as you said that, I flashed back 14 years ago was when I knew. And then it took 12 years to make it happen. And that's a key message, I think, for people. Because when I talk about whispers and hunches, we're not talking about like billboard signs on the highway that are like, do this. Here's what's next for you. And by the way, don't worry. Everything's going to be A-OK. It looks like random thoughts. It looks like song lyrics on the radio. It looks like this like sitting beside a stranger on an airplane who says something that you're like, huh. It's like the huh. That's the thing. I get goosebumps when I'm talking about it. So true. It's the subtleties. And so for me, I have to say, and again, this is something I teach people because I now have reverse engineered how I did it and how I do it. At the time, it was just, I was making it up. That's another theme, actually. I will say, I completely make shit up. Me too. All day long. I have no fucking clue how I ended up in Costa Rica with four children doing the work I do here. I feel blessed every minute of the day. If you would have told me that when I was like 23 years old, I would have been like, what? I don't even know where Costa Rica is on the map. Like, I don't even know. No, I'm going to be a career guru. Like I was like, no. Anyways, um, it's anyways, I make it up. I make shit up. But I think that in hindsight, these are the, these are the reverse engineered sort of takeaways that I would share. For me, and this is why I do integrate now the movement practices in my own life and in every, you've seen me speak at events too. Even if I'm doing a key, I just did a TEDx talk for like 15 minutes. And within that 15 minutes, I had people take a deep breath and go into stillness because I'm that committed to the importance of getting into stillness. And I'm that clear that it's not about what I say or any of us are teaching. It's really about giving people the tools to tap into their inner knowing because the brilliance we have within us is far beyond anything that any teacher, book, course, coach, anybody can teach us. And so in my practice of coaching, I spend very little time speaking and a whole lot of time listening and asking questions. And so the listening for me involves body awareness. That's why I brought all of that into it. So I intuitively was led to actually started from my anxiety. I was a runner, I was a long distance runner kept my mind calm. By accident, I got into yoga because I thought I could stretch my legs from running, fell deeply in love with yoga, like instantly. And, and so therefore I had a body awareness that even though I remember going to my university that I ended up going to in Canada and being on campus. And I remember I took one step out of the car and there was this like beautiful old limestone building with ivy crawling up. And I put my one foot on the ground and I just had this full body knowing this is where I belong. And so I kind of researched other universities, but I knew in that instant. And that's the kind of intuitive knowing that I would invite people to pay attention to. And it involves body awareness. People will get different goosebumps is a big signal, a sense of like, 
like elation or almost like euphoria is another signal. And, and I would invite people to be curious about what those signs are for themselves. But, but most of the people I work with, myself included in my earlier years, are very much in our heads and intellectualizing. We're doing pros and cons. And that's all important. I'm not saying not to do research. I'm not saying not to think analytically and strategically. But I think we tend to, again, overemphasize the analytical mind at the expense of often our intuitive knowing flies in the face of everything that looks logical. And so the Costa Rica connection, every single choice I've made in my career, including even going into coaching, it was weird and freaky when I went into it. It was like people in hotel ballrooms hugging each other. And I was like, this is weird. I was so academic. I was so like, should I go to Harvard or blah, blah, blah. And then I'm finding myself in this very experiential, emotional intelligence was not a thing. None of this stuff it was very woo-woo, was very out there. But my, I got there and I was like, oh my God, I love this. And so that's kind of the indication for me now in hindsight is like, does this thing, this place, this thought, this person bring me closer to or further away from joy? So the Costa Rica specifically experience happened to be a random surf vacation for a week. I had an 11 month old. I came down here with a bunch of guys to learn how to surf for a week. Um, My brother and some cousins and my partner at the time. And, um, and anyways, just again, had that knowing I got here. And by the midpoint of day one, maybe it was day two. I just had this knowing, like I felt at home here. I felt elevated. I felt expanded. I felt free. I felt clear. These are some of the things I would invite people. And it's the same when I meet somebody and and our energy is connecting and it's elevating and it's expansive and time stands still. We talk about flow state a lot. It's another version of flow state. So the Costa Rica seed was planted then. And then I just had this knowing. I had traveled all around the world in the years before that. So I was a real gypsy. I love seeing new places. I still to this day love to travel. But for some reason, my soul kept saying, nope, go back to Costa Rica. Go back to that town and but this specific town in Costa Rica, not even like travel around. It's like, no, that's your beach. That's your spot. Put your towel down by that palm tree. This is where you're meant to be. And I listened and it became this, actually this incredible alchemical time for me. I would come back two weeks a year and then I extended it for a month a year and I would come down here and I now know it was my soul leveling itself up, clearing away. So the first many years was a lot of clearing, a lot of healing, a lot of crying, a lot of releasing of old stuff. And then as it that stuff started to you know transmute and get to that neutrality, it looked like starting to share my work from here, getting ideas about writing while I was down here. And then ultimately, um, I knew I was meant to live here, but I didn't know how. So I had a lot of things to do in Toronto, living in downtown Toronto, working in bank towers, kids, startup life, the whole thing happening. It was an insane thing to think that you can just move to Costa Rica, literally like crazy town talk. But I just knew, I was like, I don't know how, I don't know when. And that's the trusting is like, I don't know how, and I don't know when I just know what I'm supposed to do. And so I did. And I just, I just kept coming down here with babies. I had newborns and toddlers and I would pack them up. And this town was like the middle of nowhere. There was no internet. There were no cell phones. And I would come down here with like my play pens and my car seats. And my mom would come with me because we like, we had to like solo woman. And uh, my husband at the time was traveling all the time. He did five consecutive startups. So I was by myself all the time. I was like, I'm going, I got to go. The jungle's calling. And this is another thing I know a lot of people say to me, like, well, my partner's not on the same path as me and all this stuff. And I think it's really critical to state and dialogue. But I also think that sometimes our callings, we need to just Again, it seems crazy. It seems illogical, but you need to do you. 
and know what your soul is asking for. And it can be scary. And it, it, sometimes our family thinks we're crazy. Often I find our closest people are the ones that think we're the craziest because they have a vested interest in who we were. Yeah. And, and so that's another big thing um, is really seeking out that community that supports, whether it's podcasts, whether it's online communities. Yeah. Ideally, I'm really a big fan of face-to-face community. That's why we go to events and we look each other in the eye and we chat and we cry together and we laugh together and we dream together. So those are some of the things. And then for me, again, it's, it's uh, the perfect storm of the triangulation of wanting physically to be in this place because I knew it set my soul on fire. I saw my kids thriving while they were down here. I now, again, will reverse engineer and tell you we live in a blue zone. The, evi- the research coming out about the importance of being in nature and the impact that has on our nervous systems, our ability, our creative ability, ability to focus, productivity, overwhelming research. I was really deeply rooted in my mindfulness practices while I was here, practicing yoga every day, surfing every day. Again, flow state research, talking about those threshold experiences. So I can reverse engineer and tell you exactly why, but at the time it was a hunch. And so inviting people to listen to those hunches and what the consistent theme was is that I felt alive. I felt closer to joy. I felt expansive. I felt deep gratitude. And so those are some of the things that I would ask, invite people again whether it's somebody you're talking to, a book you're reading, a job you're considering, a career path, or just a place you're being called to, is those are the signs. And so for me, the um, bringing people down here again was, I, I've also done a lot of listening and like, what's the market asking of me? So you do your business plans and you do your strategies and you're like, I'm going to be like, when I started coaching, I was like, I'm going to rescue everyone from the corporate world. That place is evil. We got to get everyone out of there, get them out and, you know, doing the things they want to do. And then I kept getting invited in like Accenture would call me or AT Carney would call me or like Rogers communications in Canada. And they're like, can you come in and do a lunch and learn? Can you come in and coach this VP? Can you? And I was like, ugh. Fine. Like I just, I didn't even want to go in there. I didn't even want to set foot in there. I didn't even want to go in the like stale lobbies. And then I had this epiphany sort of a year into it when I was like, wait a minute. And I just shifted my person. I'm like, what's being asked of me? Not everybody wants to be rescued from the corporate world. Some people love it in there. Of course. But I yeah. can hide be the revolution from within and give them the tools and the practices, which then became even more exciting for me. It's like, don't reject the system, mm-hmm. change the system from within or be a catalyst for a different vibrational frequency of, of bringing these tools into the system. And so that became my obsession. And that's why to this day, I still love working with elite leaders, game changers, people who are creating impact in the world the ripple effect when we get any one of those people aligned with clarity, their vision, their, their passion and their purpose, the ripple effect is massive. And it's like, you know, the hedge fund managers to the tech startups, to the like entirely new frameworks that can change the world. That's why my work now is so, and, and then they started asking me to come to Costa Rica. So that's again, the listening. Cause I was like, Oh, I don't want people coming down to my sacred little town. This is like my, I'm very introverted. I'm like, I don't want to talk to anyone. And then I started seeing all these people I know and I was like, oh my God, they found it. And I was kind of pissed, to be honest, for like a year. I was like, I'm not coming back here. I'm going to Bali. I don't know anyone in Bali. That's it. Because <laughs> my like inner introvert is like... Yeah, the isolation. Yeah. yeah. But the pivot and the iteration was like, no, 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 no. You're being asked now to take that role of more of the elder, of the teacher, of the holder of space. It's no the longer guide, yeah. to receive. It's the guide you're being asked. And I was, I resisted. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm the student. I'm the, this, I'm the, this. And, and that's when I was really 
had to step into those thresholds of who am I yeah. to become a guide? Who am I to speak? Because I was very much a listener, a facilitator behind the scenes. Like, and, and that was, again, um, owning that, at being asked to speak internationally at these huge events. I, that wasn't on any business plan. I had no interest in doing I was like, I can't leave my babies. I can't do this. I can do it. But I was being asked to take this step. And so I think, again, the strategic planning is exciting and important, but every single thing I've done has been a listening and, and a stepping into something that seemed absurd to me at the time. And then it becomes your new normal. And it makes perfect sense. Um, so now, for example, these speaking events that I was invited to do are how I meet a lot of the people that come down on my retreats down here. And it's, so it's like this perfect logical flow that I never even considered. Um, well, I, I think it's a lot of... Because uh, I get invited into those rooms as well. And it's something that I feel... Because they're searching inside to find the fact that there's others out there that are as successful, if not more successful, that understand their world to help them translate their true desires into what it could look like, whether it's in their existing environment to shift the whole ecosystem, because that's always an opportunity. It's just a choice whether or not as leaders you decide, like we're now wanting to feel more aligned, more integrated, have the ability to speak our truth, be more authentic, show up consciously, but we need the communication skills. We need the system to step within that helps us and the support around us before we can stand on our own, just like any other educational system, which I'm using my quotation hands. You guys can't see me, but I'm, <laughs> I'm using them because we all need to be educated on how to in order then to figure out what fits right. And then it's about um, continuing that listening skill like you're talking about, but that pivot. I love using the word pivot because I feel it's just so tangible to understand, especially when you're in the corporate world and um, having to be the doer all the time. I mean, that's why you're getting paid is to do most of the time. And even as leaders, you're getting paid to, to help the doers do what they're supposed to do to, to align with the strategy, right? Like there's all this segmentation around what it, what it really takes to get it done. But then we dehumanize it a lot of times. And so to bring in practitioners like yourself or you know, higher, higher level thinking, higher level living, higher level breathing into it matters. And I love that these large corporations reach out, even the small startups are starting to do it now too, where consciousness matters because your consumer requires it now. Our consumers are smarter. Our consumers want more. So why wouldn't we raise the elevation of how we're thinking as leaders of industry to make sure we're attracting our consumers the right way? And it's beautiful that you you bring that into your practice. And you do it in a space, honestly, to be in Costa Rica and... And it's on my list. I'm, I'm coming to see you. But the, to, <laughs> to be in Costa Rica and have them get out of the space they're in to really shift and change the vibration and listen in a new way so that the walls of the office room or the conference room or the office building aren't stunting the ability to go beyond the wall you know and so it's really cool that you've created a space for people to come to but also i know when you walk into any room you create that space immediately because you're you're showing as you walk the talk 
in your actions what's possible to run a very successful business in a highly aligned way, making shit up as you go, which I do as well, because it's what the calling is. It's like, well, why not throw the spaghetti at the wall and see if it sticks? Like, okay, I can always go back. This is one of my favorite things to say is I, I can always go back to the person I was. Like, nothing stops me from being that version of me, but me. And so why not try that next version? And, and, and I love that that's what you are bringing into the world. And I think what would be really cool for our listeners, if it's possible, for us to give them something of your practice or something that if they're going... Let's, I want to I focus on the person going through transition. Mm-hmm. And what are the ways as transition is hitting them? You know, it's it's as they're in that moment of I'm feeling the pain in my body that I'm not doing what I'm meant to be doing, or I'm feeling that discomfort in my breathing. I'm holding my breath a lot. I mean, I this is what I look for when I'm working with my clients. It's like, are you are you like did you stop breathing in that moment as you're thinking so freaking hard because your body doesn't know how to respond to all those thoughts <laughs> and you're in like overwhelm? You stop thinking. What kind of practice could we give them um, as they listen now and can take away from today's conversation that when they're in those moments of stress meets, I need to change or I need something to change, what could, should they, could they do? What could they benefit from? How can we give them something that, that they can uh, lean into? I love that question. Thank you for that. Uh, and I also, as you know, I'm a massive believer in experiential learning. So let's do that. And so the, my favorite favorite, most powerful and simple tool. And I also love what you said because part of the reason I, I love bringing people down to Costa Rica is I love to, and you also said the word translation. And that I believe is my greatest gift is that I can translate things from different traditions, modalities, and worlds into language and practices that are doable in the intensity of these elite circles in leadership. It doesn't need to look like moving to the Himalayas for five years to meditate like a monk. It's literally like 30 seconds, two minutes on your lunch break. Those are the kinds, and that excites me. It's like, how do we hack all of these things that we know work, but presented in a way that has people. And also to your point about, I wanted to just underline about coming down to Costa Rica is that's the awareness and the listening to what's being asked of us is like, I observed the transformation and deep transformations can happen in, in a corporate boardroom. Don't get me wrong. Like I have had people have massive awakenings. So I'm not saying you need to go to the jungle to have awakenings. In fact, I really am a big believer that the whole world is our, is our opportunity to, for transformation in every moment. However, there is definitely a, a, like an alchemical or like a catalyst effect of, as you said, and these are the things is like stripping away the building, but literally the clothes, the comfort zone, the job titles, the language, the, um, you know, and stepping into that vulnerability, the nakedness of it, because what you know, and I know, and most of your listeners, I'm sure know is that that is the secret ingredient to success and to elite, elite success. I'm not talking about like the good success. It's like, and not even the good to great success. I'm talking about like elite, elite, game-changing, paradigm-shifting levels of performance and insight is that everybody's making that shit up all the time. And the better you get at, at making shit up, at pivoting, at trusting you're going to figure it out and, and leading with clarity and authenticity, the more massive your impact, the more people trust you, the more engagement there is. So this is like, um, I believe in the next five to 10 years, you know this and I know this, 
the real game changers at the forefront already know this stuff. They're already doing all this stuff. And I think it's going to start to distill more and more. We're just at the beginning edge of understanding the power. Now it's hilarious to me because yoga was weird and freaky when I started doing all my coaching work. So I had to like disguise it in different languages. And now almost everybody that calls like, do you know anything about meditation or mindfulness? We hear it's a thing and we should be doing it. And likewise, I guarantee you in the next five to 10 years, these sort of transformational journeys whether it's Costa Rica or any kind of environment where you're out of your comfort zone, you're doing physical activities, you're connecting with nature, you're listening, you're in tribe, are going to become the new normal, totally. especially in leadership circles. I have no doubt about it. I'm already seeing it. It's already happening. So that's what excites me is to be in the right place at the right time, as I was with coaching, as I was with thinking by accident, and I'm not taking any credit for it, just like totally divine timing. I feel like I'm just getting this foundation ready to make it available for more and more. And everybody who comes down, I send them out in the world with the tools to go back. Many of the people who come on my experiences go back and lead their own experiences from there. They're already doing it and they do it. And I love that. I'm like, yes, go. Yes. Yeah, I love bird, that. The birds out of the, out of the nest, like go back out. So I will share something right now, which is another tool you can use. Personally, you could teach it to your team if you're leading meetings. It's called box breath if you listen to the ancient yogic tradition. It's called tactical breathing if you're talking to the Navy SEALs. So talk awesome. about translations. It's, it's deeply rooted in, in ancient yogic traditions, but the Navy SEALs and the armed forces have taken it on because it works. Course, and we know they're yeah. not messing around. They're doing, there's t- tens of thousands of academic articles about the efficacies. So basically what it is, I'm going to do a breathing exercise to get us into stillness. That's the listening. And then I'm just going to ask a simple question at the end that could be a very simple daily morning practice. It will take probably less than two minutes, but giving people a quick and simple tool they can do in the morning when they wake up before they get out of bed out of lunchtime on don't close your eyes if doing breathwork driving, but you could do it while you're driving, Um, but to start to develop the practice of listening. So to begin, let's take three deep breaths just to clear out the oxygen in our mind. So inhale through the nose and then open mouth, exhale. And we'll do two more and know that inhale, receiving all the possibility and abundance in each moment. And as you exhale, releasing any busyness of your mind, any energy that's ready to be released. And one more time, inhale. And exhale and just start to notice how much calmer you feel already. And now let's experiment with posture. So sit up, shoulders up, back and down in your chair. Plant your feet if you're seated. And notice the difference as we align our posture, our physicality. And now we're going to inhale, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, inhale, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, inhale, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four. Last time, close your eyes if you want to inhale, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four. And now just sit with long, deep inhale and long, deep exhale and notice the stillness that's here. 
And in the stillness, ask yourself, what do I really want? Take a moment to listen to whatever comes up for you. There's no right or wrong. What do I really want? And before I continue, inviting you to open your eyes if they're closed and take a quick second to jot down any thoughts that came up in asking yourself, what do I really want? Take a moment to capture that if you have a pen and paper. And then the further inquiry, because most of the work, as we know, with our work happens between the sessions, is to continue to ask yourself that question throughout the day. What do I really want? You know, and then the extension of that is like, what brings me closer to joy? What makes me feel alive? Those are some other ways to think about it and pay attention to the answers that come to you because this is your subconscious mind speaking to you now, your intuitive knowing, your higher self. So when we use the breath work to get into these times of stillness or movement or a, a number of other modalities, what it really does is help quiet our minds in order so to create the stillness to listen to our highest intelligence. So that was a quick exercise, but I, I would invite people to try to practice those types of very simple, quick two to three minute practices. And that's when we start to be able to hear our intuitive knowing in the hunches louder and louder and clearer and clearer. And if at first you do it and you're like, I got nothing, my mind wouldn't shut up. It's okay. It's a practice. And you can also use a tactile tool with that. As I did the, just to deconstruct what we just did, it was literally like creating a box. So you can use your hand on your leg to create, draw a square. As you inhale for four, you can draw up hold for four across, exhale for four down and hold for four across. So again, that's for the tactile experience. Um, so that's a quick tool and, and something. And then the journaling at the end is another very well-researched. Uh, I think everybody that you research who's, who's achieving great success, most of them are doing a pretty active daily journaling practice of some kind. So having that and pen to paper is another really important thing. Tons of research in neuroscience. I'm, you know, technology is great, but it accesses an entirely different part of the brain when you're typing or using your phone than it does with pen to paper. There's all kinds of research on that. That's not even controversial. So that's why I really recommend encouraging people to just get that old school pen and paper out. Yeah. That's why I'm addicted to the extra large post-its and uh, Sharpies because my thoughts are big. So I need big space. <laughs> to put them out. And I love that question, you know, um, to ask yourself, what do I want? And so I'm going to actually ask you that right now in where you are today and what you're going towards next. What is it that you want? And obviously, how are you listening to the latest calling that has come upon you? Hmm, that's such a good question. I'm not used to being on the other side of it. I'm like, oh, I have to answer my own questions now. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, what really came up for me, and then again, this is the listening. So this is, I'm just blurting out what came through me. What I really want is to be of service. I want to be well used, like squeeze the juice out of life for my potential. That turns me on so much to know that the gifts I've been given, the opportunities I've created and been gifted are being used to be a benefit in the world. That, that really, truly turns me on. I want to um, use my life in service, but as a social experiment. One thing that really excites me, I really believe this in this idea that our vibration is contagious. And the higher the vibration is that we have, the more powerful the impact we can have in the world. And I mean this from a little, like, very practical perspective, which is that when I'm feeling in a state of bliss 
or elation or delight, which I'm operating at, I would say probably about 90% of the time now in my life because of the practices that I do and the choices I've made. My energy level is like five times what it is when I'm having a shit day and feeling depressed or sad or sorry for myself. So I'm talking from like a super practical perspective. But then when we look at it from a ripple effect, we know with mirror neurons that our energy is contagious, our emotions are contagious. When I'm in that state of joy, of bliss, of elation, which for me can come from surfing, yoga, hanging out with my kids, you know, connection with other humans, food, movement, all the things, you're, we're more attractive. So we're also drawing people to us. And so when I say like, what do I really want? It can sound like it's selfish. Like people are like, oh, it's selfish. It's not about me. But I truly believe that as we are fulfilling our own needs, making ourselves tap into a state of joy, once we get, and I've been at places of severe depletion, so it may look quite hedonistic for a bit of time. And that is okay. If you are like burnt out, fried, been an overgiver for your whole life, and you're like, I just got to like check out and take care of me, that is a-okay. I invite you. I've done that. I have had entire years of like, I just need to refill myself. Lady of leisure year. I took one year to like figure out what the hell I even do for fun. Cause I didn't know after I had all my kids, I needed to take some time. And I went and did a yoga teacher training. It was completely selfish, completely. There was no point to it for anyone else. I needed to do it at that point in time. Because what happens is when we fill ourselves from depletion to neutrality, ultimately to overflow, that's when we're giving in the most profound ways in the world from a place of joy, from a place of service, from a place of gratitude. And I think we can all relate to the people that are like doing good in the world, again, with air quotations, but are like resentful and angry and pissed off at the world. It's like, to me, energetic intention behind what we do is infinitely more important than the tactical things we do in the world. So whether you're just smiling at strangers on the street or building like a multi-billion dollar company, if you're doing it from a place of alignment, gratitude, service, love is my main priority in the world. And what do I really want? I want to share love. I want to receive love. I want to give love. I want to be a vessel for divine love and light in every, every word that I write on social media, every interaction I have with every human, every bit of processing of my own wounding and pain that I still refine every single day of my life is done in service of clearing my vessel so that I can be available, not just to give, it's the inhale and the exhale. So yes, I want to give love and service and my gifts to the world, but I also, for me, it's actually ninja to also receive. And that's, again, that work that I do. Giving for me is really easy and natural. Um, but the receiving, I, I know now, is equally as important. And so when I say I want to um, be of service, part of that for me looks like giving myself permission and creating the circumstances that I can receive pleasure, love, joy, rest, um, help. Leaning into like the 10,000 hands, that's a big practice of mine right now, mm-hmm. is leaning into the support that's around me. And that's being of service, I believe. It Knowing is, completely. Help and ask for coaching, ask for friendship, ask for love, ask for guidance, um, ask for rest, ask for support, ask to vent, to ask someone to hold space for you. That's new for me. And I think that's um, really ninja. And some people are really good at it. So I study my people in my life who are excellent at it. And some people are too good at it and could crank up a little more on the giving. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> 
Yes, in order to create that infinite loop, right? You have to have both polarities and in the in the give and the take. And I I I love that. And and it is it it is a service to others to be able to receive because there's so many givers out there that are only interacting with takers. And uh, as a as a giver that you are, and and leading with love as one of your top core values to show up in everything that you do to create the space to receive in return from someone else who just wants to reciprocate, right? Like all that you've given them. I was, this was a big lesson for me too. That's why I can totally understand that as a, as a giving service heart as well. And it's just really great. In that, in that modality of, of service, let's tell folks a little bit about what you have um, coming out of all this creativity you've been doing. And you know, you're inviting people into um, masterminds and you have programs in Costa Rica. So let's give folks an understanding of that so that when they want to connect with you or take from this conversation things to the next level, what should they know that you have going on out there? Oh, that's Thank you so much for asking. So in, in the spirit of listening and leaping, I have uh, created a number of different ways to share these messages that I've been given over the years from my teachers and life experience. So in the short term, I have a beautiful kind of intro level six-week program called The Path. And that's an online group coaching program. It's six weeks. It's a group interaction. I have 24 videos. You listen to four videos a week. We have a live coaching call every uh, week where we get to interact in person. And that's starting in September. And then I have a mastermind program, which is ongoing rolling entry. People can enter a maximum of 12 people in the group. And it combines also with uh, an optional retreat down in Costa Rica with the group. So that's, again, if you want to get a little bit more in depth with with an ongoing group of people to grow and expand with. And then I have uh, an open retreat in November happening down here in Costa Rica and that is uh, up on my website already, which is aliveandawake.com. And other than that, I've, I always, always have a beautiful roster of one-on-one clients that I work with. I have always and will always adore my one-on-one time with, with my people. And then as a totally um, out there creative, I mentioned earlier, I have written a book and I'm in the process of having it, speaking with producers to be turned into a, a series of some kind. So that's in the mid to longer term, but that's just an example of for me, all the ways I've been asked to use my creative expression and holding of space to do the work I'm called to do in the world. It's so beautiful and 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 so expansive, right? Like the mediums we have today to share our work and reach people that we otherwise would have never reached before, other than you know people telling other people about us. You know, I think it's really great that you're expanding into new realms of mediums to to share what you do. So I really appreciate your time today, Lindsay. Of course, you and I could hang out and talk for days and hours on end. Um, and I, I just want to thank you so much for joining me on the show. And I will put all the information on how to connect with you in the show notes. Lindsay Alive and Awake. This is just Lindsay Alive. At Lindsay Alive, is it? Instagram is Lindsay Alive. And then Facebook is uh, Elsa Kornick. And then uh, my website is aliveandawake.com. Perfect. Thank you for sharing that. And I'd love to close out my show asking one simple question. How do you define what a badass is? Oh, I love that question. For me, a badass is the culmination of the work that I do with people, which is getting to the point where 
you are living entirely by your internal compass, living your authentic truth, leaping into your unknown. Um, And I don't want to say without caring what anyone thinks about you, because I'm sure that's always present, but not letting that stop you. So for me, it's just like living out loud and like zero fucks given is the expression that comes up for me. And, and that can look really subtle. It doesn't need to look like costumes on parades, but it's like how you parent, it's how you show up, it's how you dress, it's how you live, it's how you work, it's how you like, like, do you hug instead of handshakes? Like, it's just like, I don't care. This is how I am. This is my truth. And I think the more and more people that get to that place of, of living their truth, there's a courageousness to it. There's a vitality to it. There's a vulnerability to it. And that's, to me, that's the definition of leadership is leading from that internal compass of what I know to be true and leading by example. I love it. It's embracing your inner swagger. And, yes. and being <laughs> unapologetic about it. And just, you know, I like zero fucks given. That's awesome. So <laughs> I have to caveat that because I have such an introvert in me. Sometimes it looks like swagger, but sometimes it looks like I did this once. The kids had this huge party at a restaurant down here. It was Friday night. I was exhausted. And I went and sat in the corner by myself at this huge party. And I waved at the other parents and my kids were coming and going. But I was like, I don't want to talk to anybody tonight. I am so in my introverted shell. And like the odd person would come by and I would acknowledge, I was like, I'm feeling really introverted tonight. I'm just going to hang out. And they're like, I'm so jealous. I wish I was in the corner with you. I hate talking to people right now too. And that's badass too to me. That's like like swagger and on stages. Sometimes it looks like that. Sometimes it looks like I just don't talk to anybody right now. And I'm not going to be socially appropriate in this exact moment because it's not my truth. That's badass to me too. That is badass. I guess I kind of see the fact that you sit in in a corner and, and hold your own space for yourself as swagger. Like... It, 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 do you know what I mean? Like that's the way I would see it, but I got you. And and it's really just showing up as who you are. And then thank you so much for for showing up as you are in all that you do. Because I know all the service that you provide and and just the connection you make. It's just it it has an immense ripple effect. So thanks again for joining me today. Thank you, Karina. I'm so honored, and thank you for the beautiful work you're doing, and to all your listeners, for everybody out there in the world making a change. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. Before you move on to the next episode, please post a review or share this episode with someone you think would appreciate it. Your feedback and support mean everything to me. For more information, check out yourbadassjourney.com or kareenwalsh.com. I truly believe everyone is capable of living a badass life. Thank you for listening. 